five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kitty Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dean Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for future topics you would like me to cover, please do get in touch with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter using the handle diary of a kidney warrior in today's episode we are talking about 40 winks catching zeds a bit of shut eye yes we are talking about sleep and sleep hygiene as a kidney warrior getting a good night's sleep can be very challenging and while it might not be possible to eliminate all of these challenges it is possible to use strategies to reduce them joining me today is my special guest clinical psychologist Dr. Kathy Swainland. Dr. Kathy has been a clinical psychologist for over 20 years and has worked with adults with learning disabilities and young people with mental health difficulties. Dr. Kathy has always had an interest in the psychological aspects of physical health and her approach to keeping herself and her family healthy is through healthy food, exercise, and showing appreciation to everything she has in life. Welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Kathy? I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Let's. I'm really excited about this topic, actually, because for me, I have experienced difficulty with sleep, especially when I was on a higher dose of um, steroid medication. So I know what it's like to be like lying there in the bed and you're desperately trying to sleep and you can't sleep. Um, and so, yes, it's so frustrating and it has such an impact on so many different things. The, you know, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, it's a real, real headache. So, yeah, I'm really, really fascinated to, um, to find out any strategies and, you know, what exactly is sleep hygiene? Well, sleep hygiene is really just setting yourself good routines and doing all of the things that you can do to help yourself have a better night's sleep. So there's nothing particularly technical about it or nothing too complex. And a lot of it is about really pushing yourself quite hard to stick to a routine. And if you get that right, then you can't guarantee a really good night's sleep every night but you can give yourself the best opportunity that you can to get a decent night's sleep because there's nothing worse than lying in bed, not being able to get to sleep, but also feeling really tired at the same time. And then in the morning waking up thinking, I had a rubbish night's sleep and now I've got a whole day ahead of me. So what would be a good example of a routine? One of the most important things is to really try to stick to a getting up time. So it can be really tempting in the morning, especially if you haven't slept well, to think, oh, I'm just going to use the snooze button. I'm going to just give myself an extra 10 minutes sleep and then I might feel a bit better enough to get up. But if you manage to stick to a regular getting up time, then that really helps your body to learn that it needs to sleep at night because it knows that there's a limit to how much sleep it's going to get. And so then it tries to start sleeping earlier. 
So that's the most important thing and is probably the most difficult thing. But then having a regular going to bedtime as much as you can will really help at the other end. And that can be really difficult when you've got work commitments and then at the weekend you might be wanting to do other things or there might be things you want to be watching on TV. But if you stick to it over time until your sleep gets better, then you can start to just shuffle it around a little bit without causing too much havoc. So they're the most important ones. Okay, so... I'm the worst one when it comes to pressing the snooze button. So that's definitely a <laughs> slap on the wrist for me. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, sometimes I actually like deliberately set it early so I can press the snooze button yeah. like two or three times. So, okay, so I'm going to have to stop doing that. So I'm going to bed on time. I'm getting up on time. This is the perfect scenario. What else? So I'm lying there now and I can't sleep. What should I do? Well, You're not going to get to sleep if you're lying in bed thinking, I'm not getting any sleep, and you look at the clock and, oh, I've only got five hours left and then I'm going to have to get up. So rather than fighting that lack of sleep, it can be helpful to get yourself out of bed, not to do anything too energetic, but just to move away from your bed and then wait until you feel tired again and then take yourself back. What you want to be teaching your body is that bed is the place that you sleep. So if you're not sleeping, move away from it and do something that is just a bit relaxing, not too taxing. Probably don't have a drink because then you might be needing to get up again later. But maybe just have a, you know, a bit of quiet music or just sit somewhere and look around, have a bit of a think about things. And then you'll probably start to start to feel a little bit drowsy. Then go and try again. If it still doesn't work, you might want to do it again. And that, you know, that's a really difficult thing to be doing. And you wouldn't expect to be doing that every night. After a few nights, maybe a couple of weeks, then you'll find that your body's much better at letting itself drop off when you want to. So what are the kind of practical things you can do as well? Yeah, so starting off, really have a look at what your sleep area is. So... Often we try to heat our bedrooms too much, but actually we need it a little bit cooler than we would normally feel quite comfortable with Mm. because that will help us sleep. So people who sleep with the windows open, if they can, they're doing a good thing for themselves to give themselves a good night's sleep. I I, I didn't realise that because I always feel like when it's hot, I feel it makes me feel tired. So it's actually a surprise that you're saying that the opposite is true. Yeah, you need that little bit of coolness. And your body does dip in temperature when you go to sleep. So it, it's helping it to do that. If you're too hot, then your body won't sleep. And when we've had those hot nights in the summer, you tend to notice that you're not sleeping well and you're tossing and turning, trying to get comfortable. But yeah, so keeping things a little bit cooler. And that can be hard What because I'm tend to like to be snuggling up under 20 blankets so what you can do is do that for a bit when you go to bed so you feel like you're being nice to yourself and then fling a few bits off and (laughs) give yourself a little bit of air around you so you can sleep better so that's one of the things and then looking at light as well particularly with all our devices now so you might notice that you've got a digital clock you've got your phone on 
standby next to the bed you might have other lights from outside some of those things you can't avoid but you can do your best job to sort of get them facing away maybe or just to get a decent level of darkness in the bedroom and that will help so things like blackout curtains yeah if you can get them and um you know maybe if you're able to move your bed around so that you're not facing directly to where the sun's going to be coming up those sorts of things so just go in imagine that you know that your bedroom's a hotel room or something and be quite picky (laughs) about it and think well what what isn't going to let me get to sleep now and the same with noise just obviously depending on where we live Sometimes you just can't get away from that. But you might start to notice things like um, devices that are whirring away in the background or a little buzz or something. Or I I think we used to have a wind chime outside, which was lovely in the daytime. And then at night time, you're like, what is that noise? So, so that's gone now. So I was, I'm sure I was reading something about... Um, mobile phones and the fact that the light themselves the the backlight keeps you awake yeah. something about that there's quite a lot of evidence that says that the particular type of light that you get from mobile phones does affect our, you know the way our brains working so it makes it harder to get to sleep now i think that a lot of people are probably too entrenched in using their mobile phones before they go to bed to be able to really knock that on the head and avoid it completely if you can do that that's probably a really good thing to do and even sort of 45 minutes to an hour before you go to bed don't do it but for some people that makes them actually feel a bit tense because they you know they desperately need to know what's happened in the last half hour because otherwise they won't be able to get to sleep at night so if that is the case really try to limit it if you can i I don't know how to do this. My son always shows me, but you can make it less bright, can't you? Yes. And you don't need to be looking at your phone at its full brightness just before you go to sleep. So if you do need to check the news, check your Facebook or whatever, then just tone it down a bit, have a quick look. And I think more than the light, because a lot of the research has been about how does this light affect us, probably more is just this black hole of time that you get into. If you look at your phone just before you're due to go to sleep, you think you're looking at it for 10 minutes and actually 40 minutes later you're still looking at it so that's probably the bigger danger is that it's stopping you from getting your sleep time that you're meant to get rather than the light. So what would you say is a good way to wind down? Probably depends on who you are, but there's a couple of particular things to try and avoid and some things that you can do. So it's good to have had some exercise earlier in the evening, but to wind down, you want to make sure that you're not doing anything too strenuous in the hour or so before you go to bed. You could do a bit of stretching or something, but you don't want to be sort of going for a run and then getting straight into bed afterwards. A lot of people will find a bath relaxing beforehand. Other people, and I'm one of these people, I think it sounds like a nice idea, but I come out too hot and then I can't sleep. But it is those sorts of soothing activities that give your mind and your body a little bit of time to just sort of slow down. They really help you. Watching TV is okay. Again, there's a couple of debates about what the light does, what it does to your brain. If you're not watching something too exciting, 
then that's a good wind down activity because you're sort of slowly just letting yourself drift off into your, your own place really but not trying you know not doing that in bed do that in a different room and then you can go to bed afterwards um it's good to let your brain know that it is actually night time and if you can just get outside for a bit just before you go to bed sort of half an hour before that's really helpful because your brain will pick up on oh it's dark outside and it will feel the difference and so there'll be quite a few physical cues to get to sleep but again a walk or just stand outside and look at the moon and the stars or something or just listen to what's going on around you and then you can start your wind down. So what do you do in the summer when it's bright and you don't have that physical cue? Yeah, if you, I mean, it depends when you go to bed. In this country, we do get some darkness and probably by about 10 o'clock, even in the middle of summer, you'll start to notice that things are feeling a bit different. So we might still think it's light, especially if we've been out for the whole evening. But the light quality will be reducing but also the temperature and the that summer feel of the air around you that will start to tell your body that it's night time as well so it's not as you know it's not as obvious as in the winter and probably now we're all going to start over the next month or two starting to feel tired much earlier because it'll be getting dark early and we'll be like oh that time got to snuggle up but um but yeah, in the summer, the queues are still there, even if it's not like really dark, really early. I think the mornings are more difficult because obviously the queues then come into your bedroom that, oh, it's morning, get up, time for the day and it's five o'clock. So yeah, you have to be careful of that. So it's, so it's a case of preparing your body for what yeah. you want it to do. So you're kind of telling yourself, okay... It's almost like a school being back at school. You know, yeah. you start the day with a you know with assembly, and then you got your first lesson and second lesson, and and playtime and lunchtime and whatever. I don't know. It's been a yeah. million years since I've been at school, but um, it's it's almost sounds like the same kind of thing. You're mentally preparing your yeah. yourself and your body to say, okay, you got to sleep now. Go to yeah. sleep. absolutely it's all about those cues and I don't I mean I don't know how old you are but if you're old enough to remember listening to like an old LP where it's always one song after another and even now if you hear some of those songs as soon as it finishes you're anticipating the next one because you know that's what's coming and that's what your body does if it knows that you know bath bit of a stare out the window maybe a quick read or something then into this room where you don't really do anything other than go to bed, then it will be all geared up for getting to sleep. It might be a bit more difficult at the moment. I know a lot of people have been working at home and some people have been working in their bedrooms and that's probably challenging too, that, you know, the bedroom's being used for watching TV, work, maybe having a bit of lunch or something, all of those sorts of things. And that really confuses the brain into thinking, well... I'm here, but what is it that I'm meant to be doing here today? Because I've got loads of different jobs that I do in this room. So touching on that, for somebody whose bedroom is their everything, their living space, their workspace and their sleep space, how do you overcome that challenge? Yeah, I mean, trying to get out of your bedroom for a little while before you do go to bed. So if you've been working there or like with teenagers that sort of live in their 
hole in their bedroom if they can get out for a little bit before bedtime that's handy because then the brain again the going back into the bedroom is a bit of a cue but also just arranging things so if you're able to if you've been working there and you're able to put your work things away or if they're not away out of sight cover them up with something if you've had a laptop on all day for work shut it those sorts of things they're those little things that all tell you that oh it's my sleep space now it's not it's not work time so and it is really really difficult and I think it's a challenge for anyone who's trying to do a lot of their living in the one room but the more that you can do just a and routine like you said that if you've got that routine of oh putting away time quick tidy up you know go and wash my cup up or whatever before I get into bed then that will be a couple of things that will just cue your brain into thinking, oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. That makes sense. So how do you prepare your mind for sleep? Yeah, so a lot of people, by the end of the day, their mind is absolutely full of stuff that they've been doing and also probably stuff that they're thinking, I've got to get this done tomorrow or... I should have done this and I just haven't done it. Oh, no. So it's good to to do some things just to help yourself feel organised. You talked about being at school, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. And I remember it sort of always being nagged to make sure you pack your bag the day before because then it won't be awful the next day when you find you haven't got anything. So... So give yourself a little bit of time at the end of the day. Just if you're a list writer, you can write a list of things that you need to do. Or if you're someone who might like to just spend five minutes or ten minutes thinking back over the day. And so that gives a bit of space to those things that have happened in the day that you might wake up and be thinking about later. So if it was a bad conversation you had or something that you're a bit worried about, give yourself time to think about that stuff before you're in bed. Right. So that it's at least out the way and parked, probably for morning. And you don't have to come up with a solution to it. Just acknowledge that it's there. Okay. So it's almost like you've got the, the worry jar or the kind of... Um, yeah. The, oh, there's like a bear or something that children use to put their, their worries into. So it's almost like establishing that when you're in bed, you're not allowed to worry. And if you do, what, yeah. get back up and yeah. go and yeah, deal with it worry, and yeah. then come back. Yeah. And give it its time, you know, if you've got to worry, there's no point sort of trying to keep it out of the way because it will just keep knocking and keep coming back to you. So give it its time and, yeah, think, well, okay, I've remembered that worry, I'll deal with it in the morning. Some people find it helpful to keep a notebook by the side of the bed. So if the worry does come up or even not a worry, sometimes those things like, oh, I haven't paid such and such or those sorts of things you've got your notebook write it down you know that it's safe there and it'll still be there in the morning then you don't have your mind all night trying to get to sleep and also trying to remember to do whatever it's got to do so that can be a helpful thing just in preparing your room make sure you've got somewhere to put things that come to you at night are there any resources that people um like online or books that you would recommend that pe- that can help people yeah i mean there's, a, there's been a if you want to go into it in a lot of detail there's a book called why we sleep um i can't remember the name of the author but um <laughs> but it's it it's quite a hard trawl going through it but it's really really insightful and that does also um we talked about the physical stuff earlier 
also mentions about nicotine and alcohol and how people think that they might be useful and they're really not. So those sorts of things, and it is quite a scientific book. So if you want to find out more, that's a good one. Otherwise, you might want to use different apps to help you with your bedtime. So there's things like Sleepio, which um, I've not used it myself, but I've had a bit of a look at it. And I think that helps you to sort of wind down, maybe do a bit of... um, I don't know, breathing exercises at the end. So so there are things to look out for. Um, but often it's it's more about really thinking for yourself, well, what's going to work for me? Because it's got to be something that will fit into your life that suits the kind of person that you are. And if you're not sleeping well, the last thing you need is to read in a book that what you're doing is really wrong because then you'll be worrying about that when you're in bed as well. It's like, oh, no, I was meant to do this and I didn't, so I'm going to get a terrible night's sleep now. So you need to be kind to yourself and think, well, just doing my best at the moment in this situation to get a good night's sleep. I'll get up in the morning at the time that I'm meant to get up and then tomorrow's a, a new day, a new night, and I can give it another go then. So you just touched on on that, so I'm going to ask you about, because I was surprised when you said about nicotine and alcohol, yeah. um, not that I'm advocating those, I don't smoke, <laughs> I don't, yeah. and um, not good for your kidneys at all, um, but I'm surprised that you said that those things don't help sleep, so what are other barriers to sleep that people might not have considered that they might be doing? Yeah, so... Um, just to say about nicotine and alcohol so nicotine is a stimulant so that is going to actually affect your body and keep it awake more alcohol people think a little bit more because of it being a depressant that it will slow them down and you know I know old ladies have a nice (laughs) nip of sherry before they go to bed and it can relax people to a degree but actually the quality of the sleep that they get is really affected then it's not proper sleep your brain's not doing the things it needs to do when it's sleeping it's just not really doing stuff so and people who do drink will you know they'll know that they haven't had a good night's sleep even if it felt like they were dead to the world the whole night through um other things that people think is useful probably are again things like giving themselves a lion on a saturday morning if they've been at work all week they think well okay i missed probably half an hour every night when I should have been asleep but I was actually trying to do stuff so I'll catch up that extra couple of hours on a Saturday morning and that can feel really good at the time but it will knock your rhythms out completely and then it's going to be hard work again come Monday when you're just trying to you spend the whole week trying to get your routine back so that's probably one don't you can't be too kind to yourself with sleep you've just got to try and stick with it um that's interesting because, uh, yeah, you kind of think of it as a kind of bank where you yeah. pay some in and then you draw, oh, I've taken out too much, so I'll just put some back in. But actually it doesn't necessarily work like that, which can be a very difficult balance for kidney warriors because there's times where you are exhausted and there's absolutely nothing that you can do yeah. about it. Your body, you know, is struggling and you have to take your rest. So obviously we're not talking about during those times because there's nothing you can do about that. But when you're stronger and, you know, trying to like get on with your normal routine and normal day, then obviously try not to do 
that oversleeping yeah. to try and compensate. Absolutely. And if you know that you're going through a time where you will need extra rest, then maybe try and give yourself regular times during the day. So, you know, try and get up your normal time if you can or be awake, but then make sure that you've got plenty of nap times or rest times in the day so that you're taking it easy. Because, you, yeah, you, you need to try and keep a bit of a routine, however unwell you are at that given time. But you also need to be really aware of, well, just how much rest do I need at the moment while I'm going through this stage? So in terms of naps, is there like a like a golden amount of time that's like really going to help? Or is that just as individual as the individual? I don't know. I've done a bit of reading around this and the... A lot of people would say there's a golden time, but they don't really agree on what that golden time is. So most people agree, don't nap too soon before bed. But then the amount of napping you do, some people would say like even five minutes, have a five minute nap and that will keep you going for the afternoon. Whereas other people will say that it's more like yeah, half hour nap, an hour. So I think the evidence is a bit mixed and it may have been about what exactly they were researching and who they were sort of trying those things out on. I think, again, if you test things out for yourself, you'll know when you've had too much of an afternoon sleep because you'll feel groggy. Whereas if you keep it short, and again, that sort of making yourself end it. So if you are having a bit of an afternoon nap, just because it feels nice, if you're starting to wake up, your body is probably trying to get you to wake up. Right. So really listen to what your body's doing. I guess that's the number one thing, isn't it? It's listening to your body. And I, and I hear this recurring theme that you're saying about being kind to yourself. There's Sometimes there's a massive difference between what you think you should be able to do or what you could be able to do this that and the other and what's actually possible yeah and actually giving yourself permission I guess to just be and and deal with whatever the situation is as you need as you need to and what's in your power to do so I think that's a, a really important point because again speaking personally there was so much time that I was like well I should be able to do this and I used to be able to do that and then before you know it, it keeps you awake at night. Yeah. And, and then the knock-on effect to that is you're tired, you're fed up, and you can't then do as much as you'd yeah. like to do the next day. And then when it comes to going to bed, again, it's the same cycle. So absolutely, it's it really is about being kind to yourself, giving yourself permission. You can't solve the world's problems in one day. So yeah. just take it, take it one step at a time and really having that routine and yeah that works for you that's going to prepare your mind and prepare your body for sleep so is there any questions that I you know that that you wish I'd asked you I don't know about questions but I was just thinking about our relationship with sleep generally because we're in our culture we seem to see that sleep is a bit of a soft thing when actually sleep is when our body's doing a lot of hard work and it's looking after itself so if you're going through a time of life where you need a lot of sleep that's probably because your body is working really really hard to keep it well and 
it's not a competitive sport where you'll sometimes see celebrities and they'll be like, oh, well, I can survive on five hours or four hours a night. That's not them looking after themselves well. If you're needing nine or ten or even more at a particular time in life, then good. Let your body have it because it's telling you what it needs. That is so important. Thank you so much. I feel like I've learnt so much and and I know the the guys out there listening um, have learnt a lot too. So how can our listeners reach you on social media? I should be fairly easy to find. Cathy Swainland and I am on Instagram and I am on Twitter. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.